and here we go! This is the Ignite Rock Podcast and this is episode 16 and this is where I talk to awesome individuals who are doing awesome stuff using WordPress. Welcome everyone, really ecstatic, really really happy that you are here today and I'm so so happy that I'm going to be talking to you guys as well. Thank you for your time because this is going to be a really good episode because today I'm going to be talking to Gary Arndt who is a travel blogger, who is a self-taught travel photographer, who is a podcast, he's done a heck of a lot of stuff and he's a really really cool guy to listen to so it's going to be a good one, make sure you tune in and the show notes are available on ignitewalk.com forward slash episode 16. In the meantime, let's get stuck in into the interview with Gary Arndt. And here we go everyone, it's going to be a really exciting one today, I have Gary Arndt on the line who had done quite a lot of things and uh, rather me explain it all, I'd rather Gary explain everything about what he does. So Gary, thanks for coming on to the show, really appreciate your time and I guess I want to start off with, you know, tell me a bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from and how did you get to where you are today? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my background is actually started a very early internet company back in 1994. And we did really early web database integration. Uh, back when everyone was just doing static HTML pages, my company did custom uh, web application design. And now everything is pretty much run off a database. But at the time, it was kind of novel and it was kind of expensive. And I don't know if you know, if you've heard of a product called Cold Fusion. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, it's owned by Adobe now, um, but at the time, it was one of the first tools that let you integrate databases to the web. Now, you have to remember, this is before PHP, this is before WordPress, this is before really even Linux uh, became a thing. Uh, web servers were running on uh, usually high-end Sun workstations or servers, and Windows NT was kind of just becoming a thing, and it was a lower-cost alternative. And uh, my college roommate wrote this app that allowed you to easily hook up databases uh, to the web. Uh, and you could do it on Windows and you could do it in a very low cost manner than what you'd otherwise do. So I started a company that did that. And uh, four years later, I had 50 people working for me and I sold the firm. And long story short, I ended up traveling around the world in 2007 and I started a website to document my travels. And that's kind of what I do today. It's pretty interesting because there's a lot of things that you do. I mean, you're a, a travel blogger, you do podcasting, you're a self-taught travel photographer, and then you launch a travel photography academy course online as well. You are named Travel Photography of the Year. You, you know, you, you've done a lot of things. I don't know. Have I missed anything? I'm not sure, but you've done quite a lot of stuff. You're a busy guy. How do you manage to do all that stuff? Well, I mean, that's all done over a period of years, so it's not... Uh, you know, the website is just kind of there. That's a hub for everything. Um, I've been doing a podcast called This Week in Travel for nine years now. Uh, and as we like to say, it's not it's this week in travel. It's not every week in travel. So it's not really uh, <laughs> we don't do it as much as we want anymore. Uh, had an, I had another podcast that I did for a while. Um, but, yeah, it's there are worse jobs to have. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that. So. I mean, if we focus on the whole travel blog inside, I think it's, it's such a competitive market out there. If you want to be a travel blogger, 
you know, you're really fighting against or competing against, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of other travel bloggers as well. How do you how do you do, differentiate yourself from everyone else? I've been doing it a really long time. So that's one of the things I've been to more places. I've been to a lot of, uh, I think, more interesting and extreme. You know, a lot of people, they go to Thailand or something or they go to Italy. No, they're fine places. I've been there. I'll, I'll return there. Uh, but I've also been to places like uh, Tuvalu, um, some places up in the high Arctic, the Antarctic. Uh, and the other thing I think is the quality of the photography. Uh, that I've really worked hard to become, uh, you know, a top-level photographer, and I think that's reflected in the quality of the content I put out. And I've, I have noticed because you know we talked about like you know your travel photography academy that you have launched. So, you know, you, you're kind of um, really trying to help other people to document their travel in the best way possible. Um, is that is that the best way to describe the course? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've met so many people traveling that had expensive cameras and they were traveling on expensive trips and they weren't they didn't know how to use their camera. They weren't taking good photos. And that's a huge investment, right, to to spend all this money traveling and on photo equipment and then not to know what you're doing. And I felt that by putting together a course, it would be very easy uh, for people to um improve the quality of their photography and get a better return on their time and their investment in their equipment. Makes sense. I mean, I will put the, um, the link to obviously your website in the show notes and everything. So people can have access and see where they can learn about that. So, you know, you said yourself, the website itself is the hub of everything, which is something that I kind of strongly believe in. And, you know, you, you use WordPress. We all love WordPress over here. So, you know, be, I'm interested to know what was your first experience with WordPress was like and um, how did you come across it and why did you choose WordPress in the first place? I have a personal website and I still have it. Uh, if you go to gary.arnt.com, uh, I don't update it very much, but I've had that website for almost 20 years now. And when it first started, it was just a static HTML page. So every time I did a blog post, I would... Um, literally just update the HTML and that was how I did it. Uh, and then eventually, uh, I think I moved to movable type and this was kind of in the early two thousands and it was okay, but it just wasn't that robust. And eventually I moved to WordPress, which I like because there's the nice part about WordPress is that there's a community around it. You have, um, all these developers developing plugins, um, and not to mention it's open source and free, which doesn't hurt either. So when I started my travel website, it was kind of a no brainer. And, and I, you know, I give advice to a lot of, um, a lot of bloggers and occasionally I come across someone that's thinking about hosting it on some other sort of platform. And I just say, you're insane. There's no reason to not use WordPress unless you're a super big commerce website or something like that. Maybe there's a, you know, I, I can see why you might not want to use it, but for any individual that's creating a website, I think you're crazy not to use WordPress. It's interesting that you say, you know, this is the advice that you give to a lot of people. And I, and I understand what you're saying because there's, there are other CMS options out there. And uh, people always say to me, you know, I don't, don't know which one to choose. I'm going to be biased and say WordPress. But then, you know, it depends on the situation, which you're right. If you're a huge, huge company, you might prefer other things. Having said that, WordPress can still work for you um, because anybody can use it. 
So I can understand what you're saying that um, a lot of people come up to you and say, I don't know what to use. I say WordPress um, straight away because the control that you have, the flexibility that you have, the, you know, the option of to grow with it as well is such a, a key selling point for me. And I'm sure it is for, for yourself as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, the biggest thing is the community, I think, and the fact that there's so many people, which means you can always find someone if, if you're not technical to help you out or there's a plugin. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of plugins and themes that are available. And when someone is thinking about not using WordPress, what usually ends up happening is that they, they aren't very tech savvy and they go to someone to help them build a web page. And then they will suggest something that will lock them in to having to go back to them all the time, right? So they'll pick a much more complicated platform or more expensive platform that they really don't need, basically because it suits the needs of the developer, not the customer. Yeah, yeah I can definitely appreciate that. So then, um, you know, WordPress people used to think that it's always for bloggers only, but obviously it's much more than that. You, you create a lot of content. You got your, your blog and your, your photography and your text and all these things. Do you have a, a routine, you know, when it comes to blogging and, you know, how do you come up with topic ideas and your system? How, how is your, you know, routine when it comes to blogging? Oh, for running a travel website, uh, it's always easy to come up with ideas. I mean, there's an infinite number basically based on where you travel. Uh, so for example, I just got back from two weeks in Sweden. And the initial purpose of my visit was I I visit UNESCO World Heritage Sites all over the world. So I've been to 334 of them. And while I was in Sweden, I visited seven. And so, okay, so that's seven blog posts I was doing with that. But then there's a whole host of other things that I did while I was there, which are probably worthy of blog posts. Uh, So I visited this town called Engelsburg, which is about an hour, hour and a half north uh, west of Stockholm, and they had the world's first oil refinery. Wow, that I didn't. That, that's that, that, <laughs> that's something most people don't think about, right? No, I, I've never and thought about it. it. Was, exactly, it was put on this island, and at first I thought, whoa, they okay, they did oil drilling or something. No, there's no oil in Sweden. Um, but they would import oil from the United States to this island in the middle of a lake. And there they had, and it was on an island for safety reasons and and whatnot. Uh, but there they would convert it into kerosene, gasoline, uh, paraffin, all other sort of petroleum byproducts. And this was in the 19th century. And seeing how they did it, and you know the working conditions, you could still smell oil everywhere, even though it's you know how given how old it is. But anyways, that's I think just kind of a, one of those interesting things that um, you know. People may not think about it. And so there's always those sorts of things. And then there's just opinion pieces you can write, Um, you know, complaining about airlines and hotels is a popular pastime. Um, And then you always get to look and and compare different places you've been. Right. Yeah. Uh, Because it's not just, you know, you go to three places and you learn three things. You also can compare, you know, A to B, B to C and C to A. So that's six things. And as you travel more. Uh, that can expand almost exponentially. Okay, so kind of endless, really, from uh, from what you're saying. So that's really cool, actually. Um, wow, Sweden. I never really thought about they have that kind of stuff. Yeah, I went to a copper mine there, and they they produced, a th- um, I think it was two-thirds of the world's copper at one point. 
out of this single mine in a single city. And the whole city was devoted to this copper mine. And they cut down every tree within miles. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of this industrial thing, and, and even in the UK, uh, where you're from, I, uh, what, what town in Scotland are you in? Edinburgh. Okay, I think it's just outside of Glasgow. There's a place called New Lanark, uh, which was this – there were several attempts like this. It was a 19th century textile mill. But the guy that owned it wanted was kind of this progressive thinker and he wanted to create this utopian community. So he gave people good housing and they had schools and kindergartens and all this stuff. And uh, you can go there. You can just take a bus, bus there from Glasgow. And most people don't even think of visiting places like that when they travel though. I definitely have to but admit that. Nothing to do with <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I've heard of the location, but I've never heard of it. I never knew that. And even though it's not, you know, maybe 50 miles from here, um, from where I am, I never thought about that. I've never really thought about going to these places, which is so unique and special, which obviously makes what you're saying. It makes your website unique. It makes your content unique. It, it makes everything about you more unique than other people who have been to, I don't know the Eiffel Tower or whatever, you know, everyone done that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and I tell bloggers this, that, that, you know, all that stuff's been done to death. And so many bloggers are trying to think of what can I do that people will like? And I understand that, you know, that's a, that's a natural thing. But at the end of the day, I think you're better off doing something you're interested in and trying to get other people interested in it rather than just trying to uh, do what will be popular. Yeah. Because in the long run, I think you'll get burned out and bored just trying to please people. Okay. No, I, I can understand that. Um, it's definitely a challenge anyway. Um, if you want to stand out from everyone else, yeah. Um, you kind of have to work and grind at it. And, uh, you know, what, so, so then what advice, you know, for anyone who has trouble with, um, you know, with WordPress and using WordPress to start creating your online hub or even to grow with it, what advice would you have for anyone who's having trouble with that? There, there's all sorts of cheap web hosts out there. Um, and I'm sure you're familiar. I think it's the same company that owns most of them, like HostGator, Blue, whatever. These are like the $5 a month type hosting things. Just just do that. Get a domain. Set up WordPress. Most of these places have it such that it's like a one-click setup and you're up and running. After you've been doing it a while... Uh, so in the course of my, my hosting for my website, I made a decision, I think it was a little over two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago now, where I went, for, I went to a dedicated WordPress host. And that was the best thing I've ever done because that's all they do is WordPress. So I use Web Synthesis and I know there's uh, WP Engine and some other sites. They just focus on WordPress hosting. And the stability and the performance and everything else has just gone up. Uh, I've had no significant downtime in, in over two years. Uh, the performance of the website has been very good. Um, just across the board, um, th th that's always what I recommend to people. Once you've reached that point where you kind of want to take it to the next level, find a dedicated WordPress host. And I'm not going to get into comparing one versus another because I haven't done that much research. But I do think just having that dedicated host makes all the difference. And, and one thing that I do that uh, many that most bloggers don't is because my site is so photo heavy, all of the photos from my website are not hosted on WordPress. They're hosted on SmugMug. So what that does is it offloads 
all of the image storage, so the bandwidth, the storage, and then all of the processor time that's taken up by doing HTTP requests for the images. And you got to remember, there's probably more images on a page than there is, you know, there's one HTML page, but then there might be multiple images. So all of that gets gets uh, put off to smug mug they have unlimited photo hosting unlimited bandwidth unlimited storage uh and they have content delivery networks around the world there's like three of them that they use that i know of so they can serve up images better than anyone else is going to and they can do it with uh, https uh which makes it that much faster as well because they're using http2 so um on my wordpress site itself I have, you know, the basic WordPress install, my theme, plugins, the database, and that's it. No images. That's really cool, actually. I mean, I mean, there's two really, really good points. So, first of all, you said, yeah, we try it out with cheap hosting just to give it a shot. Five dollars, five pounds a month, and just to try it, just to start building and experiment with it. But you're so right about using, a, you know, a managed WordPress hosting. So, I, I use WP Engine, and, you know, the... You know, they are, they are above the average cost of a host because you pay $5 a month for one thing, but then, you know, WP Engine, it could be 15 20 25 and above, depending on your site size. So I totally agree with you that when you go with managed WordPress hosting, the stability, the performance, the speed, it, you know, you can't compare. And the support as well. When you get support and you talk to someone who knows WordPress and they know what they're talking about, it makes such a big difference compared to going to a generic host provider where someone might know a little bit about WordPress and you know it's not the same really that level of depth and knowledge um totally agree with you in that and what you said about hosting on SmugMug which is actually it's actually a really good idea I never really thought about that because I've always imagined photographers when they upload images on website they tend to be raw file they are however a number of megabytes in file size and resolution, which is obviously will slow down your site and then it affects user experience and so on and so forth. So it's a great idea. I never really thought of offloading that to SmugMug and just to make your site that much quicker. Um, it's a very, yeah, very if you think tip. about it, it's like a, a simple, cheap way to do load balancing, right? You're just taking, except instead of doing it by like um, round robin or something, you're just doing it by file type. So you're just offloading all of the images and other content, uh, you know, and most people would do that anyhow if they had video. They're probably not hosting their own video. That's going to be on YouTube or, or Vimeo or something else. Um, but the same is true with photos. And even if you're if, if you're thinking, oh, well, my host says I have unlimited, you know, storage. Man, no, you don't. Nobody has truly unlimited anything. Uh, there's limits to everything. And. When you hit those limits, they often tend to throttle you or, you know, in some cases I've heard of people even getting kicked off their server. Uh, you can't do a $5 a month service forever. And SmugMug, I think I'm saving more money because Web Synthesis has different tiers based on the amount of uh, bandwidth you use. By putting all of my images, which takes up most of your bandwidth, on a different service, the amount of money I'm spending on SmugMug annually, which is not much, it's like $30, $40 a year, is drastically saving me on the web hosting because it's keeping me in a much lower tier. And I'm probably saving what I spend in SmugMug a year every month on web hosting. 
Very true. That's very true. That's a, that's a very uh, good idea, clever idea. I think eventually when, I don't know, if I ever have um high-resolution photograph on my site, then, yeah, I want to offload that instead of having it all in one place. And it's a really, really cool idea. So, you know, the other, you know, question I've got is about the whole travel blogging area. And it's because it's such a competitive industry. For those who want to be a travel blogger, what advice um, would you give to those people? I would say to, you know, if you're interested in travel, do it. Uh, I think the mistake a lot of people make is they get into this thinking that, oh, I'm going to start a blog and then all my trips are going to be sponsored. No, it's not. Um, because, you know, as you mentioned, there is a lot of competition. And until you've actually done something and it's going to take, you know, a couple years to build up a decent resume, uh, you have to be prepared to basically just do this as a labor of love more than a business. Yeah, I think um, I mean I think that applies to a lot of things, doesn't it? Like, if you want to start anything, you have to do it because you love it, not because of money. Um, at the end of the day, so um, if you do it for the love, then gradually, hopefully, things will start falling into place as well. So, yeah, it's a really good point. So, um, so what's your uh, what's your biggest strength? My biggest strength? Yeah. Uh, probably my photography. Um. I also tend to be rather opinionated, which is a very good way to uh, get media mentions and things like that. So I have a lot of uh, incoming links from a lot of real high-quality sources like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and places like that. It's uh, because of the quality photograph, really, quality content and all that stuff. So it helps to get you the uh, natural backlinks, which is kind of, kind of cool as well. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, people always talk about uh, quality content or have, you know, make epic content or things like that. And I think a lot of that is often a tautology. It's like uh, coaching track and field and just telling people to run fast. Well, of course, you should make epic content. The question is, I think it's more a function of developing a reputation of creating good content that that's what's going to help you in the long time and in the long run. And a lot of people think, well, if I wrote something and it was popular or it went viral, that therefore it was good. That's not necessarily true. And just because you did it once doesn't mean that you can do it on a consistent basis. And one of the, the, the things I, I like is that when I go to a conference now, like a blogging conference, it used to be that people would introduce themselves and they would say, wow, you know, uh, you're a real inspiration. You have this great following, blah, blah, blah. Now when people meet me, they say, oh, I really love your photos. And I really prefer that because it means that I've developed a reputation for, for creating something of quality. And I think if you have that, then everything else will kind of fall into place. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. I think if too many times people, um, I've had it myself, people ask me, um, I want my content to go viral. And um, if you know, viral is such a, a rare thing to happen that people don't understand that only a small number of content goes viral anyway. And second of all, why do you want to go viral? It's not exactly a must-have, you know, for follow for me well, anyway. The thing with viral, con- we, you, the thing with viral content, and for I'll give you a good example. Several years ago, um, when StumbleUpon was a much bigger deal, I was getting like half a million visits to my website from StumbleUpon. Right. So I'd post something and almost every day it would it, I would get a lot of visits from it. The problem is almost none of that traffic converted like zero. 
Like, so when they changed their algorithm and this big spike in traffic went away, I had nothing to show for it. And the same is true for a lot of these really empty clickbait type things. So, yeah, you could get a lot of traffic for your photo of a cat playing the piano or something. Uh, but then what? So you get the traffic. It's gone. And then what do you have to show for it? Do you have followers? Have you, uh, you know, did, did, were there a group of people that discovered you and said, wow, this person's neat. I want to hear more from them in the future. Uh, probably not. So, yeah, if something goes viral, that's great. But I don't think you should plan on it. And I don't think you should necessarily uh, aim for it. What you should try to do is to simply keep accreting and gathering a group of loyal followers. And every so often, maybe something does go viral and that's fine. But it should not be what you structure you know, and plan around. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. But, uh, I think you can get distracted and sidetracked if you just focus only on, you know, I must be viral on this, this, and this, and stuff like that. So um definitely agree with that. So we talked about, you know, your biggest strength. So then what's, what would be your biggest weakness? And how do you go around it? How do you overcome it? Efficiency, productivity. Because I travel so much, it's it's very hard to keep on a regular schedule. It's very hard to get work done. And I have these periods where a lot of things will pile up. I'll have thousands of, you know, I, I had a period once where I had like three years worth of photos that I had to edit. Uh, and what I ended up doing was just sat down for several weeks and did nothing but edit photos and eat and sleep. Wow. Um, and right now it's, I have a bunch of blog posts that I have to write. Uh, so it's, that that's always the the biggest problem with me is you know doing that and i've i've had a hard you know i i used to post every single day on my website i i post a photo every day and i did that for a little over 8 years where and one of the reasons i did that was to help with my photography i believe if you make your work public it will force you to get better right no one wants to embarrass themselves by putting up bad work and I thought I had achieved that. So I kind of stopped doing the daily photo thing. And I also thought it was hurting me and a little bit with, with Google because um, Google was viewing it as thin content because I was just posting a photo and a caption. I wasn't really writing a whole lot. Um, so I need to get back into a routine of maybe writing longer, uh, more lengthy pieces and not just relying on the photography. Yes, uh, there's a lot of big emphasis now on uh, long uh, content, 1500 plus words content, um, seems to be a trend right now. But end of the day is that, um, if you write and you just write until you make your point. If it takes 1500, 2000, 3000 words, fine. But, uh, you know, you should never aim for just say, I have to write, you know, X amount of words per post. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, writing or uh, creating a blog post which has one image. Um, it's quite difficult for that to kind of get that organic traffic if you're really focusing on that. But it can get of other form of traffic like social shares and so on and so forth if you um, if you really push it elsewhere. So um, that that's pretty interesting as well. So um, if we get all uh, sentimental or everything, what what are you most proud about in your in your business, your blog, your your brand? What is it you're most proud about? I, I think being named travel photographer of the year three times uh, in North America, uh, because it's not a best blog award. It's a competition that puts me straight up against, you know, 
mainstream travel photographers that work for major magazines, National Geographic, things like that. So I was the first blogger to ever do that. And, you know, a lot of the motivation behind uh, trying to do that was so I could prove to the rest of the world that, you know, people that are publishing online are capable of creating great content and, and doing great images. And uh, being able to, to do that, it was, you know, kind of a feather in my cap. And I'm hoping some other, you know, I, and I, I believe that there are other uh, web-based photographers who are good enough to do that. And I, I hope they're recognized for their work in the future. Okay. Oh, that's that's uh, amazing. Um, congratulations. It's really, really cool that uh, you get recognized for all your hard work for years and years of, of putting yourself out there and creating content and photographs and traveling. Um, it's really, really cool. So it, it's been, you know, I think we can, you can go on for a long, long time because you've done so much. You clearly, you know, a lot of stuff. You're a clever guy and you've got a lot to share. So we can go on forever, but I guess, you know, we can kind of uh, wrap it up. And, um, you know, just to thank you for your time again. And um, just to, you know, before we say goodbye, if you want to share where can people connect with you, that would be great. Uh, my primary website is everything-everywhere.com. And if you're a listener in the UK, uh, the name of my website happens to coincide with a, with a mobile company. And I just want to tell everyone, I had the name before they did. <laughs> it was in 2010 that they announced that they were coming out the name Everything Everywhere for their phone company. And I got 100 emails that day from people saying, oh, you're going to make so much money. You should sue them, blah, blah, blah. Well, that never happened. And, and they stopped using the name. But yeah, uh, just do a search for Everything Everywhere. In the UK, I'll probably come up second, <laughs> not number one. But in the US, I'll probably come up number one. So, you know, what? I'm just going to. Just out of curiosity, I'm going to Google it right now and see what comes up in the UK for everything everywhere. And uh, I can confirm, obviously, number one is EE, number two is EE, three, EE, four, Wikipedia, and number five, we have your travel blog. So, uh, not okay, bad. then I still got some work to do. <laughs> but then, you know, the, you know, the weird got- thing is, though... <laughs> It actually, in some ways, has helped me because the number of people doing Google searches for everything everywhere increased dramatically. I'm sure. And I've gotten some very high profile links from publications that linked to me by mistake when they were trying to link to them. Wow. So I got things from like Bloomberg, The Telegraph. I mean, there was a couple of big ones where they accidentally linked to me. So it, it actually kind of helps. So. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You were there first. You didn't ask for it. You didn't really do anything wrong. You know, it's, it's a mistake. So, um, well, you know, number five, and this is, you know, using my uh, my search behavior and stuff like that. So, obviously, that would have a bit of an influence into it as well. But um, there you go. I think uh, everyone will know that uh, don't go to EE uh, Mobile Network. The other EE is what you want. So, um, right. Gary, thanks again for your time and I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that is it. Thank you, Gary, again for coming on to the show. Definitely really appreciate having a chat with you. It's been really, really cool. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you listeners have picked up from. One thing I picked up is that regardless of your industry and your field, and I'm not just talking about travel blogging, when things are competitive, you have to stand out and do something that is different to everyone else. 
I have talked about this in the previous episode that Unix standard amongst the noise instead of being yet another travel blogger or another food blogger or yet another restaurant in the high street. Why you? What's different about you? And of course, is it interesting to everyone else as well as yourself? So I hope that makes sense because it's something that everyone should take on board. So once again, the show notes is on ignitewalk.com forward slash episode 16. And could you do me one favor? And could you leave a review on iTunes? Because that would really, really make a difference to me. And I would really, really appreciate it. So thank you for your time. And of course, let's rock with WordPress. <laughs>